This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. All right. Welcome to the Immigration Hour. This is your host, Rocky Rockliffe. Uh, I guess junior co-host Chuck is out today. He's uh, going to be leaving soon for a, uh, an American Immigration Lawyers, ALA's uh, mid-year conference in Columbia, not Columbia, South Carolina. That would be the country of Columbia. Uh, so, David, I'm here today. I've got a few things to talk about. i got one. Uh, anytime I do this show by myself, it's always, I always think, it, think of it as the uh, don't get fired show. You know, I've got some strong opinions that I don't have. Uh, I don't have uh, the co-host Charles Cook, uh, also my boss, to uh, keep me in line. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that to you today. All right, make sure I don't go off the rails. <laughs> start, uh, start making comments that uh, that that I shouldn't make. Um, I don't have any gardening stuff today. Do you have any gardening stuff today? I know, I know some of the probably some of the listeners are into the uh, gardening minute. That's why it might be the only reason they listen to the show and then they turn it off. But uh, I don't have anything. Is that today, where they folks. go? They have, <laughs> after you, the gardening, they they're gone. Well, do you, do you, I don't see the numbers. I mean, do you see a, a drop in the uh, listenership, if you will, uh, after uh, Chuck gets done uh, expounding on uh, what, what's going on with his garden that week? Well, you know, they really don't have to listen to the radio show to hear chuck so uh you know they <laughs> he is rather loud no no there is no gardening news it's uh all uh all dead and uh in the in the process of being uh rototilled and all that kind of stuff Get, so, getting ready for getting ready for the next planting getting ready for next year that's next the year. farmer's motto the next year next year next year what uh I, I meant to ask you what uh any good information come out of the show with the emergency preparedness guy that we were talking about last week, the survival guy or whatever it was? Uh, well, it was it was a very very good show. Yeah, and uh, you know, everybody sort of points a finger and says, "Oh, you're a prepper, you're a conspirator, <laughs> or whatever." But you know, the fact of the matter is, look at what happened in Indiana and Illinois. I mean, you know, yep. being prepared, helping your, you know, if you saved your roof or your roof was mm-hmm. saved. And your neighbors is gone. The stores, the grocery stores, aren't open necessarily. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's just a matter of being prepared, or, or yeah, you don't know what what's coming our you way. You have no clue what's coming down the pike. Could be a job loss. It could be anything. Uh, any, I mean, anything. A family illness where you, you can't work as much. Uh, like I said, job loss. Uh, you know, you're. <laughs> investment portfolio turns south. I mean, that's another topic for another day. Uh, or or the, the crazy natural disaster. Absolutely. Be prepared. I mean, that's that's what it is. I actually had a, uh, a friend of mine was, uh, I think it's listener number three. Uh, was, <laughs> I mean, do we, do we do you have the service called Arbitron? The uh, the like listener no, service? No, no? no, okay. Well, there, I listened to another show, uh, a podcast, like a financial investment podcast, where they talk about their listeners, and it's because it's really uh, pretty kind of a conservative show, and Arbitron is definitely more of a, a liberal measure of, of your listenership. They always talk about listener number seven, and they're up to ten listeners on <laughs> whatever. But anyway, my friend was uh, apparently listening to the uh, podcast and sent me a text saying, "Do you really have fifty five gallon water barrels in your house?" <laughs> I do. I don't know about I anybody absolutely. else. So all I do is uh, just uh, I send him a, a I reply with a text with a hyperlink to the uh, to to where you can buy them on Amazon. Yeah. And I mean, if you can buy these things on Amazon, I mean that's mainstream. You know, the thing is, <laughs> it's, uh rainwater is very cheap, and also swimming pool water, if need be, is very cheap. It's very cheap. And yeah. uh, 
what is, uh, you know, we talked about this on the survival thing. What's the number one thing you have to have? And that's hydration. Got to have the water. Uh, if you don't have a plan for the water, I don't care how much food you got. I don't care how many guns you have. I don't care about any of that. If you don't have the water or a plan for it, uh, you're done. I, you know, I know you were uh, in the military and stationed, and I would venture to say on your utility belt, if they still <laughs> call them that, uh, <laughs> You had at least two campaigns if you didn't have a camel. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's what we touch. what I uh, – the, the, the They word. change that from canteens can, to wearing the camelback. Canteen to camelback, exactly. It's, but the, the word you're looking for is pace. I, I talked about last last week. You have your primary, your alternate, your contingency, your emergency. And, and you know, your primary, you know, uh, they do not call it uh, utility. That's that's uh, utility belt. That sounds kind of Batman-ish. Uh, Load-bearing equipment is uh, the proper nomenclature for that. But, yeah, you're right. You, you have, you have Ours was utility belt. <laughs> utility belt. And if that you got lucky. You, think you have like a, some crazy bat gadget or something. And if, if you were lucky, you had suspenders with it. So, if yeah. not, you uh, got to carry it on your hips, you know. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's it. And it's, uh, it, it's quite a load. We, All right. Uh, so they call it a what? Load bearing? Lo- it's LBE. Every, you know everything in the military, everything government-related, David, has an acronym. Has yes. an acronym. Uh, I mean, I could literally just speak in acronyms. Um, but, yeah, it's called load-bearing equipment. Um, they have uh, all kind of crap. I mean, the 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 what, it, for lack of a better term, the gear market has exploded since uh, September, 2000, uh, September 11, 2001. Uh, I mean, there's vendors selling all kind of stuff now, and... They call it low barrier equipment. They have uh, things called releasable assault vests. Uh, I mean, uh, all kind of stuff. You, you come up with a crazy name and a cool acronym, and you know, you got to come up with the acronym to make it cool. Though you have to come up with the acronym first, and then try to name it. Ah. Kind of like the Patriot Act. That's sort of bass backwards, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. But if if you're all about the marketing and all about the you know the big splash, then you come up with a cool acronym. And then find some way to name it. It's like, like I was saying, the Patriot Act. You, they didn't. They didn't come up with the name of the bill and be like, "Oh, dang, this actually says Patriot. That's awesome." No, no. no. You come you up know. with something that's catchy, and then you find a way to put word, uh, you know, force words in there. When I was in, it was fatigues. Now it's BDUs or. <laughs> BDUs, BDUs are a little old. BD, and, it was BDUs. A, now it's a, a, ACUs. Yeah. ACUs. When I when I first started, we'll start talking about immigration stuff in minute or two here. Uh, yeah, when I joined the military, it was still BDUs. When my father was in, it was fatigues, uh, but it was still BDUs until 2005-ish, and then they came out with that new digital camo stuff. Uh, uh, they called it ACUs, the Army Combat Uniform. Uh, the Airmen or the Air Force had their own twist on the ACU. They called it the Airmen Combat Uniform. Uh, and now they have this stuff, uh, which is actually, I think, the best uh, pattern out <laughs> there. Is, called- wait a second, we got to go back to the Air Force, <laughs> which is which is really uh, it should be ASUs for ass or what I, you know. Here, here you are walking around on the ground with blue camouflage, digital blue camouflage uh, fatigues on, or whatever that, or utility. And, you know, who are you camouflaging from? I can see it in the air at 30,000 feet. Yeah. But I have a hard time at uh, zero feet. Uh, well, this – this uh, I'll, I'll go even better than that. The pattern, the digital camo pattern uh, is garbage in the first place. But after you wear it for um, a day or two, two or three times you wear it in the sun, it basically turns white. 
Uh-huh. It just completely fades out because I mean it's, it's not high quality. Let's, you know, let's, <laughs> let's be realistic here. It's not so it turns white, so it becomes even worse over time, forcing you to purchase over and above what your clothing allowance is uh, more uniforms. That may be the actual. That may be the idea behind That's, the people marketing and selling it. I don't know. I mean, Obama's not, probably getting a cutoff. <laughs> I'm not making any accusations with you, but that's the thing. But they actually have one. They came out with, um, and the military was kind of resistant to using it initially, but they use it uh, de- when they're deployed now. Is the multicam, and that's actually a uh, other than the woodland camo pattern. I think is the probably the best pattern out there. I, I mean, it's. It's really good. I mean, you Google multicam, and it's uh, I mean, it's a trademark, you know, patented pattern and everything. It's uh, it's not digital or anything. It's just it's a really good pattern. Did they pay six hundred and thirty-five million for it? <laughs> somebody, Is it on what website? Somebody paid something for it. But there's a lot of private makers for it, and that's where I mean, contrary to a lot of people think, you know, uh, most most uh, people in the military will end up buying, especially if they're in a job. <laughs> There might be an element of danger. We'll end up buying the higher, qual- the highest quality thing that they can get on the private market, that rather than uh, rely on the military to provide them with. Okay, you're uh, this guy named Chuck that uh, you work with uh, has said for the last six or seven months, eight or nine, ten months, uh, that the immigration bill is there. It's passed. So oh, tell me, man. has it passed yet? I, it I hasn't. Let's. It has not. You know, let's let's do a brief recap if, if, if we're getting any. New listeners here, people that are just dropping in from another planet. This immigration thing, what's going on with this? Uh, everybody, you know, back in the summer, uh, the Senate passed its version of this bill, which is basically a pathway to, you know, pathway to citizenship. It basically gives a sort of legal status called provisional residency to people who are here in the United States who either entered with a visa and stayed longer than they should have or entered what's called enter without inspection, basically crossed the border illegally and are still here. As we all know, there's a lot of these people who lead very fulfilling lives, uh, have businesses, have children here who uh, are often at this point, you know, teenagers doing very well in school. Uh, and, and so that that bill was really, I mean, amongst other things, that bill is really designed to provide some sort of, uh, dare I say, amnesty <laughs> to these. Oh my gosh, he said amnesty. Uh, you know, to provide They're immediately to, <laughs> citizens are on the immediately on all those all those amnesty. No, 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 can't do amnesty. Um, but basically, that's what it is. It's, it's designed to try to help these people come out of the shadows. I mean, that's uh, you know, let's face it. They're here. They're paying taxes. They're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, I. I hate to quote politicians uh, for you know to bolster my argument, but you know you had Marco Rubio, who's absent on this. That's another topic for another day. He was one of the original uh, senators that that you know got this thing off the ground. He said, you know, we have we already have a de facto amnesty. We're not doing anything. And there's by you know different measures, you know, eleven to twelve million of these uh, people who are here without permission, and we're really not doing it. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. We are doing something. We're deporting them at a record rate, but. Uh, there's still a, a lot of them here, and 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 not doing anything is is really a form of doing something. So so uh, it's it's better to uh, come up with a system to to legalize them, give them whatever you want to call it, pathway to citizenship, legalization, amnesty. It really doesn't matter to me. It's it's basically like we've talked about in the past here. Most of these people don't care about becoming a citizen because that's I mean it's kind of a pipe dream to them. They care about getting work authorization. Which will allow them in most states to get a well in all states at that point it, to get a driver's license, which will allow them to uh, you know conduct their lives hassle free. They're already paying taxes and all that. Okay, so that was passed uh, by the Senate in the summer. Since then, we've kind of had this back and forth in the House. Uh, um, 
whether or not Speaker Boehner is going to send it to the floor. Uh, we've had a couple of crises since then that have kind of pushed it to the back burner. And what what do we have in June? Uh, we had the uh, the NSA guy. What, what's his name? Uh, Snowden. We we had he, he kind of put the immigration to the back burner for a little bit. Have you ever he noticed? Would, <laughs> it's very interesting the distractions. Oh yeah, that just pop up out of the clear blue. Just out of the clear blue, <laughs> exactly. See, you had that distraction. Um, you know, whole whole other topic there. Then uh, what? Can, and then Syria came next. I think the whole Syria thing was. Uh, in September-ish, okay? Uh, then after that, we had the government shutdown. I mean, it seems like there's constantly something that is is pushing this to the back burner. And, and whether that's by design or not, I have absolutely no idea, and I, I frankly, I don't really care. Um, but it, it's, it keeps getting pushed to the back burner, and here we are, you know, towards the end of this uh, year, uh, and it looks like it may not, may not, they may not send it, uh, Speaker Boehner may not send it to conference before the end of the year. Doesn't mean it's dead. Doesn't mean it's going away. This Congress still has next year to do, you know, to to take to send it to to conference and 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 you know put a bill out to uh, both houses. Um, it just the the wrench that gets thrown into it next year is that it's an election year, and and we all know what politicians like to do in election year. They they Lie. like to, they, <laughs> no, they like to do that all the time. Lie, cheat, steal all the time. But they definitely want to avoid tough votes. And making tough decisions in an election year because they're scared of uh, – what does every politician want? They want to be reelected <laughs> and, and it takes one thing to get reelected. That's money and uh, it takes one thing to un- unseat a longtime incumbent and that's money. And so they want to avoid these tough votes for fear of you know angering their base or getting ch- – you know, especially the Republicans. I, I don't think the Democrats are really susceptible to attack from the left on this. But I think Republicans are kind of fearful of an attack from the, the right of their party if, if they go for this before an election year. But uh, let's take a quick break, David, and come back and uh, we'll get into why the – all the excuses the Republicans have for uh, not, not going forward on this. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, we're back on um, uh, the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about the uh, Republicans. Many, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I didn't make this up. I'm taking it from the uh, Huffington Post article that I'm reading from the uh, House Republicans' many excuse for inaction on immigration reform. And, and as and as I was briefly mentioning, I think that one of the things that the Republicans are scared of uh, in in an election year and trying to do something about this uh, is is an attack from the right in their primaries. Um, and we've seen how that the blueprint for that was laid out in 2004 by you know Karl Rove and and base and when uh, Bush was running against Kerry, getting more – getting an issue to mobilize your base to get more of your base that otherwise wouldn't be out to vote to get out and vote for you. And obviously in 2004, they used the whole gay marriage thing. And I think they might be scared of uh, the the opponents of this immigration stuff for, uh, funding their competitors from the right. I don't really – I think that's – I don't think that's the case. I don't think that enough people uh, support – or. I don't think there's enough people opposed to immigration reform to even make that a viable option. Even if somebody threw a ton of money behind it, I think enough people realize that this is something we need to do. That you know, there's just there's just no reason not to do it. But backing up a little bit, we've still got some time left in in this year. And call me crazy, but I'm going to put this out there right now. This is what I think may happen. Okay, um, so so if this does happen, you heard it here first, folks. I'm clairvoyant, clairvoyant Rocky here on the Immigration Hour. Uh, I think that they're basically stalling right now. And side note to this, if Boehner sends this to conference and it, once it goes to conference, it's coming out of conference basically and it's going to look like the Senate bill, OK? Uh, and then it's going to be put to – once it goes it comes out of conference, it's going to be put in front of both houses. That Senate bill would pass the House right now. Okay, so whatever comes out of Congress is going to be put in front of both both houses, and it's going to pass. So this is the last real hurdle is, is getting it into conference. Now, I could see because the Republicans they they don't want this this content because they can fall back if it passes both houses after coming out of conference. Republicans can really just fall back on well, the Democrats did this. They don't really have to worry about challenges from the right uh, saying that they sold out and supported or whatever, but. So, so I, th- I think they're really scared of being seen as having Boehner send it to conference. So you want to get as mu- as many eyeballs off of that as possible. So I could see them waiting till the end of this year, you know, kind of a thief in the night type thing, and sending it to conference, you know, a couple of days before the end of the uh, of, of the session here. And then once it's in conference, it's coming out, nobody's stopping it. But the longer you wait, the the longer they wait to do that, the less news days they'll have because let's face it. The mainstream media really doesn't cover congressional stuff when Congress isn't in session. I mean they could send this, send this thing to conference, have two or three days of a firestorm, and then it's really out of their hands. And then they can you know fall back like I said on the whole – well, the Democrats did this and, and everything. They wouldn't have to worry about a challenge next year and they don't really have to you know, take any heat for Boehner sending it to – Boehner doesn't have to take any heat from uh, sending it to conference right at the end there. You think that's uh, you think that might happen? What, what are your what are your thoughts? You know, that's an interesting concept. I um, I don't know. I I, I just I mean I it you never know what's going on with these guys. It's, why it's, not? It's, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, that's just as plausible as anything else. I mean, who knows? They they could wait till next year. But the, what I'm trying to get across here is that. Nobody really knows, and this is a—I mean, like everything else, this is—it's it, a political game, and rarely do we know the reason why things are done, or even know how things are done. I mean, it's 
everything is done with an eye to how is this going to affect me. Me. Yeah, exactly. And, and usually that's kind of synonymous with how is this going to affect the party? How is that going to trickle down to affect me? And so I, th- I think a lot of this, um, you know, the, the I, I can't call them anything but idiots. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> idiots have drawn another November 30th deadline that uh, they're going to be up and running and at least 80%. <laughs> Well, I, I got eighty percent of my website works. And, you know, yeah. I don't care about the other twenty. You know, so but they've already shot themselves in the foot by saying eighty percent, or even that it's going to be working. Right. So if come November the thirtieth and it ain't working, mm-hmm. uh, you know they've got another days, world to hurt on themselves. They do. You know this. Th- so I I I don't know if. I'm like you, sort of. I think if Boehner had any common sense, which I think he's in the wine bottle too much to have any common sense. <laughs> he does have the rosy red cheeks, yeah. the whole fake <laughs> tan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, but anyway, you know, this it would be an ideal time when all the smoke and gas is blowing up over Obamacare exactly. if he snuck it in and, and did something intelligent. Right. Therein lies the problem, the one word, intelligent. Well, uh, I absolutely – I don't think it's necessarily that move would be made out of intelligence. I think that move is made out of pre- self-preservation and preservation of the party because if we – you know, Chuck and I have talked about on the show here. The Republicans need this more than the Democrats do. They, they need a win. Uh, they, they have to be seen as the ones who – did something? <laughs> Did something. Fixed immigration because it's really the only issue they can win on. I mean I don't think they're going to – you know, going to what you said with the, the, the Obamacare website and everything like that, even if that dies on the vine, which I think is more likely now than it was you know, two or three months ago, they're not going to get credit for that because that's any – When you say die, what dies <clears throat> on the vine? Obamacare. I think that eventually – side note, folks. I think that Obamacare will eventually uh, die on the vine. Oh, I don't. You really? Yeah. You no, don't no, think so? No, no. I think that there's so many moving parts and working parts to it, and I think that the backlash at this point, because so many people's plans are getting canceled, uh, I think insurance companies saw this coming, uh, and, and I think that they will be forced to – let me – you know how Obamacare works. It's a tax. It's, yeah. it's, it functions with your tax. I think that once you take that the, te- the tax teeth out of it, I think it becomes completely useless. I, I think it will die on the vine. How that actually happens or what it looks like, I don't know, but I think there's so well, much. I, I think we've got a – and this is not totally being addressed, somewhat being addressed, but not totally. And that's the fact that uh, you know every, every day Obama's breaking a law. Breaking the Constitution. No, no, let me but finish. No, I, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the kicker is, though, uh, this coming out with telling the insurance companies, well, they can't. And, I mean, it, they can, but they can't do it overnight, and that's basically what he's wanting. Uh, you know, let's go back to what we – well, you know. Right. You can't – you can't. Uh, you know, the way uh, actuarial so, finance works, yeah. you can't just overnight uh, and, and it, change risk And it's parameters. not just the insurance company. Right. My God, it's uh, the hospitals, the doctors, the lawyers. Ugh. But anyway, it's oh, all, all sorts lawyers. Of, it's all sorts of folks that are involved, and you can't just, you know, snap your fingers and say this is – 
we're going to go back 90 days or we're going to no, go no. back two years ago or whatever. Right. So, and, and people, this is the first wake-up call, in, in our opinion, that people in general, the 50-some-odd percent out there, have said, oops, wait a second, and that's due to one reason. Uh, they've been slapped in the face with money. And uh, oh, so that's, that's, is, this gonna, is this going to go away? Is this going to down the vine? No, I don't think as long as people and, – and it's not – you know, I understand my degrees in economics. I understand the economy of having the young people sign up. Well, they ain't signing up. Well, so uh, then we got the middle class people, <laughs> the middle aged people, right, that are saying, you know, this is costing me five hundred dollars a month more than it than it did, and Absolutely. so it's not going to go away. Yeah, you can't make it. You tell me how you could make it go away. Well, no, no, that, but that's what I'm trying to say. I want to I want to back up a little bit. Though. First off, I want to apologize uh, to the listeners here. We're, we we take a few liberties when uh, when Chuck's not here as far as digressing from immigration stuff because it's all related. Everything is related. related. We'll, we'll get back to the immigration stuff in a minute. But this Obamacare thing, I don't know how it will look in terms of it dying on the vine. But you said something very important that this is the really the first wake up call for people, um, and uh, because it's hitting them in the pocketbook. I I remember I had a conversation uh, with my brother a couple of weeks ago. He works for a you know. He works at a you know Fortune 500 company. I mean, he's not like a president or anything. He's uh, he just uh, has a kind of a mid-level executive job over there. And his uh, we're talking about it, and uh, his his health insurance premiums, same coverage, everything equal, is going to go up like three hundred dollars a month. I mean, three hundred bucks a month for pretty much everyone. That's a lot of cash. I mean, that you for for, for to not get anything in return for that because you know you you can make the argument. If, in hey, fact, you're going to get was, less. Yeah. Exactly, but you know, you can you could make the argument that hey, you're being charged this extra every month, but you're going to get so much more. That's a different discussion. Even if you're forced to take it, you could still kind of you could still Rational. kind of sell yourself on it. Be like, oh well, yeah, I really don't want it, but if I have to get it anyways, at least I'm going to get you know all this awesome stuff. But in this case, you're paying more for what is going to end up being less. But he will have maternity coverage. Oh, well. on himself. No, I'm going to leave maternity no. coverage alone because I have I have really divergent thoughts from the mainstream probably about how I view maternity leave and paternity no. leave, whatever you want to call it. But the biggest – like you said, you know, your background is in economics and the whole, the whole gist of this thing is let's get the low – let's charge everybody the same so the lower risks are essentially subsidizing the higher risks. Now, the higher risks in terms of health insurance have to do with – a lot of it has to do with age, but a lot of it, David, has to do with people who made poor choices in their life and they require constant medical attention sure. that somebody else shouldn't have to pay for. That was the same rationale for Social Security. And Social Security is broke, folks. <laughs> I mean Social Security is broke. It was, hey, let's get all these young people to pay for this for old people. Let's get all these healthy people to pay for this for unhealthy people. But, uh, it's, it's good. Okay, I want Go to ahead. segue back to segue back. immigration, and yep. you're saying we're talking about something that's not immigration. We got <laughs> off the no. I think we're talking about it directly, as a matter of fact, because immigration, be it Republicans, be it Martians, have done a terrible job, as we've talked, 
on, on explaining what they're even talking about. The mainstream media, you know, and anybody you interview, and you put my cost of insurance has gone up 200 300 $500 a month, and then I haven't got the gonads to, in the same, talking to the same person to say, oh, well, what do you think about immigration? They're going to blow up. Exactly. Well, they don't know the details. They don't know well, what they they're talking about. They rarely know the details of, of any issue. But they're going to say, God, you know, my insurance is going to, why do I want to pay for a foreigner, you know, that's illegal? Yeah. I mean, they'll go ballistic on it. Absolutely. You. And you're telling me that that doesn't have something to do with the immigration No, bill? no. It does. <laughs> it, it's it's a, a diversionary measure. It's uh, It speaks to a larger issue of, of politicians and their, you know, I, I don't want to say cronies, but I'm going to say cronies in, in the mainstream media. Basically, confusing the issues. You know, it's 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 uh it's what I al- it's 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 one of the things that I always say here. You know, the argument that you get when uh you you talk about immigration reform to somebody who's politically predisposed to uh, to uh, hating it, saying, "Oh, well, I don't want to pay for I don't want you know illegals on welfare. I don't want to pay for them." That's confusing the issue because that's a that's an issue for the welfare system, not for the immigration system. Let's take a quick break, David, and come back and uh, I've got some some really some really good talking points. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I nine rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at eight six six. 286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, right before the break, we were, we were talking a little bit about uh, p- putting um, – Dave and I had a brief off-air conversation about how you know immigration reform is, is, is tangentially related, uh, you know, collateral related to all these other issues. It's, it's virtually impossible to talk about one of these you know, supposedly divisive issues because uh, I don't think immigration is really a divisive issue. I think the vast majority of people are pretty much on board with just letting people be here. Um, but it's uh, it, it's representative of a larger issue. You have to talk about all these things in context because there's so much misinformation out there, David. I'm, as you know, I mean, we, one of the things we, we we just talked about. I could literally, I guarantee you, I could. We should do this. I have no idea how it would work or anything like that because I know you don't have multiple production assistants running around here. But it would be great. You could go out into the streets somewhere. A lot of people. And you could 
ask just some you know true false type questions about about immigration. And and the first one the first one you'd want to put out there. True or false? Obama has deported almost two million people, more than any of his predecessors. Well, pretty much more than any of his modern predecessors combined. True or false? Regardless of your political persuasion, liberal, Democrat, progressive, conservative, Republican, whatever it is, that person that you're asking that to, what do you think the vast majority of them are going to say, David? False. They're going to say false. We're like, oh my gosh, there's no way. Obama, he's the great. What are they? No, the great communicator was Reagan. Obama's the the, the uniter. Is that what, the great uniter? There's no Divider, way. I think. <laughs> there's no way he could be a deported. His administration could have deported two million people. David, you and I both know that those people would be wrong. So I mean, it's just it just it's just another example of of how skewed things are and how people really they just. There's so much misinformation out there, and I, I hate to blame individuals, but at the end of the day, I mean, being informed of the facts is a personal responsibility. And if you rely on uh, an entity such as mainstream media, who is who is in it for dollars, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, folks. I mean, they're running a business well, just like anybody else. No, it's, there is, and this is. Oh, this. let's. This is gonna be a great conversation. I can tell. But let, let me finish that thought real fast. It's, it's your responsibility to educate yourself, but let's let's talk about this. Uh, why it's wrong for for biz, for news organizations to be run as a business? Okay, there was Go. a time, and I'm uh, I'm trying to think of the acronym. As a matter of fact, that you were news organizations were held accountable for the truth, and uh, every all the organizations belong to. This organization, and I, I can't off the top of my head. Anyway, the point being is they a news organization, if they're touting themselves as news, right? they have an obligation to tell the truth. Now, a few years ago, many years ago or whatever, a couple of um, over-aggressive Politico newscasters just blatantly lied about some things, and they were brought to task. Mm -hmm. uh, now it seems to be either they – I don't know if they're blatantly lying or they just don't have the information or they feel that it's their responsibility to sway or whatever you want to call it. But I think if, if it's a – Opinion, then fine. You call it the opinion hour. You don't call it the news hour. Right. You don't call it the six o'clock news. Right. Whatever. Because I, I think they do that. And I think this is a sad scenario mm -hmm. that we're misinformed about economics, which directly affects, or immigration affects economics. Absolutely. Immigration it's an affects uh, health care. E uh, immigration affects, you know. A lot of things, and a lot of things, by the same token, affect immigration. Absolutely. So my my point being is, if the news were doing what it should be doing, and and just telling the truth, right? I see what you're saying, and I will. I'll concede this: that I think that that yes. I don't think they necessarily have an obligation to do so simply because they're a business and they 
I would like for them to to present fact, but more often than not, it's it's not necessarily that it's outright lying. It's it's presenting things out of context or information that's not one hundred. It's kind of half truth type thing. Um, and and in an ideal world, absolutely, it'd be great if, if they would tell the truth. But their number one motivation is not to inform the populace. Their their number one motivation is profit, and for them to be. I mean I don't see how you would get – taking the profit motive out of it, why they would still be in business. Oh, so that, that's – You know, no. Uh, that's, I agree. That I'm, I know it very well. That's how I got my first radio show yeah. was uh, I brought in a sponsor and there we went. Well, I, but, but that's – I think that's why shows like this and, and alternative media is so important and I think it will eventually eclipse mainstream media because uh, there's – there's a sizable number of people that consume media uh, like this and don't consume anything that's on CNN, Fox, or MSNBC. Well, you know, if they do, then they're smarter than the, the average Exactly. Bear. More power to them. But, you know, going back to, to my point, uh, the misinformation stuff, I put it more – there's blame to go around for everybody. But I put it more on the individual to educate themselves as to what the facts are. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. But they, there's there's also time, so they should you should be able to go in at five thirty, turn on the local news and get or turn on the news and right. get the truth. Now, if in an ideal world, I would agree with that. Yeah. If you <laughs> turn on a channel and they say it's meet the press, that's not saying you're getting the news, right? And I and I totally disagree with the, the fact that if somebody, uh, you know. This will blow your mind. Yep. And I hate to say it, and I don't watch it, but, well, I say I don't watch it. I've watched it a couple of times just by mistake of switching channels. But the news organization that seems to be presenting the best news right at the moment Mm -hmm. is guess what? I couldn't even – Guess on that because it's been so long since I've even seen a newscast on on cable. Who did uh, Who did your buddy Al Gore sell out to? MSNBC. No, Al Jazeera. Oh no! Oh. You know, I listen. I follow Al Jazeera English on Twitter. Uh, all right. Absolutely. I've thought for a very long time uh, that they provide excellent coverage and factual. You know that Al Jazeera English was uh, taken off uh, – uh, it was taken off like a Google search result or, or, or something like that because – simply for that reason because it, it is presenting information that's not necessarily in line with what the mainstream media wants to present. But That and, they do, uh, and you, as, as bad as I don't like them, uh, BBC will present a, a more realistic view Yep, even of our situations. Uh, so, you know – but it's, but, but, but again, David, the, the media is out there for people to consume. I mean, it's it's they're all the all these companies are in 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 the business of providing information for the profit motive. And if if CNN and MSNBC are turning a profit because they're they have consumers and they're providing what their consumers want, then I mean, I just I, I can't I can't really put any blame on them. Oh, something we disagree. On. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. I would. I would love it to be as simple as. And I and I think that's a cause of the well, immigration I, problem. We've never. 
Well, yeah, it's it's one of the one of the issues with it is it just there's not information correct that's put out because it's the mainstream media is is interested in reinforcing the the predisposed beliefs of of its of its consumers of its audience and and whether you consume media from the left or the right, you know that that's going to dictate how you already feel on that issue and you're going to be presented with either facts that only bolster that and facts that don't bolster your opinion are going to be ignored or outright misinformation. Um, you know, and and that and, and that's true on any of these issues. And so, I think it's more uh, indicative of a cultural shift than how we per, how we as a society perceive the news and how the news perceives itself. Um, how, how it is now, the the it's, it is viewed as a consumer product. It's not viewed as public service. Whereas I think maybe thirty, forty, fifty years ago, it was viewed more as kind of a public service thing. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the the business that it is now. Well. Uh, Back many years ago, we had what was called an investigative reporter. Inve- oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and this was uh, – people came to respect right. what they found out. And uh, Well, investigative reporters now are, are – we don't have those. They're, no. they're called uh, conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Ask Glenn Greenwald. Uh, they're, uh, they're considered opinionators. And, yeah. Uh, you know, which is sad because I – It is. It is. We need – we need the public knowing what's going on, but then again, the public. I will. I will agree with you on the point that it's the individual that has to find the truth. But they should. It should be easily accessible. It shouldn't be that they have to spend hours on end uh, finding the truth. I I I agree, and and it just it 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 goes to. It's out there. You just have to make the commitment to yourself. To whoever that that you're going to look for. How do people know that we're telling the truth? They don't. I. But this is the thing, though. Uh, I. I mean, I'd invite anybody that has an issue, with a listener, whoever. If you have an issue with what I'm saying, or you think it's not factual, or what's or, your home number? Uh, hey, cell phone. Call me four zero four two one three six four two one. Glad to argue with anybody anytime, anywhere. It's one of the things I love to do. Uh, shocker, I know, but th- that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't ever. I'll never tell. It, it's like I. I mean, I'll get case in point. Anytime I do a consultation in my office, David, for somebody who is looking for immigration services, I will. I mean, it's almost standard for me now to say, "Hey, you don't. You don't need to believe me. Go out and get another consultation." I, I'm. I'm not afraid for you to do that. I don't. I don't want to bully somebody into taking what I'm saying at face value and thinking that I'm afraid for them to go and find out another, find somebody else's opinion. And if somebody else's opinion or their their analysis of of somebody's case is different than mine, more power to them. Go for it. I mean, it's and that that's the same thing that that I do here. And, and I think Chuck would agree with me if he was here that there's nothing we're saying that we would be afraid to uh, to argue or or uh, if somebody presented a, a different. Factual scenario, you know, different facts to me. I, uh, I might change my mind on an issue. I mean, it, there, there's no issue <laughs> that I can think of that I wouldn't change my mind in the face of contrary evidence. I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, present me something else that's different, and I'll gladly change my my opinion or my or or I don't even want to say change my opinion. If you broaden my understanding of of a of an issue. I'll definitely draw a different conclusion or, or a con- I'll draw a conclusion based on the information I have and I can only draw conclusions based on the information I currently have. You want to provide me with something new? Go for it and I might change what I think about it. I mean I, I think I'm that's pretty very, educated about most of the issues so I don't really a, think I'm going to get presented with anything. No. <laughs> um, 
No, and I think you're you're 100%, and I wish everybody was like that. And unfortunately, I get all my news from ABC, so don't confuse me with facts. My mind's made up because yep. they must be telling me the truth. Or, exactly. And, and and that's the end of the and they won't they won't even. This has been the amazing thing about back to Obamacare. Uh, many of us knew that he was lying from the get go. You know, you can't and you can't bring X number of people into a system and it not cost more. Right. Yeah. I mean, many many things. Yep. Um, but but again, but it, it, now it, you've got people that say, I mean, the ones that were totally a hundred percent farm, two hundred percent farm, yada da da da. Well, maybe he was stretching the truth a little bit, but everything else he said is the truth. Well, no, if. You know, it's been my experience if a guy will lie to you on one thing, lie about anything. he'll lie about anything. Well, he'll and lie about anything that's convenient to him. He'll sure. tell the truth. I mean, it's 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 with anything, um, e- e- selective truth-telling. I mean, that's it, it, you can't trust somebody when they're either telling the truth all the time or they're telling the truth when it suits them. And unfortunately, I think he's demonstrated that he, he will tell the truth when he, when it suits him. Let's uh, well, I've got one thing that I really wanted to get to the whole time here, David. Let's take a quick break and come back, and uh, we're going to talk about immigration judge complaint process. Awesome. Hot damn, that sounds exciting. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, before we get into this uh the, the, the bombshell don't get fired topic today. I just want to hit one more thing. Uh, David and I were talking about off air. You know, is is you, I'm sure people out there that are listening have had these conversations where you you know to relatives, friends, whatever. You present overwhelming fact that somebody based on that those facts should probably alter their opinion one way or the other, and you invariably get the well, that's true, but this is just the way I feel. You can't feel about facts, people. Facts are facts. The truth is the truth, and you you can't just you can't end an argument where you've been overwhelmed. Everything you thought is overwhelmingly debunked, and then say, "Well, that's just how I feel about it." No, it's, I mean you can feel that way, but at that point, you're just you're just manifesting your ignorance even more. Okay, on to uh, as I said, the uh, the don't get fired topic of the day. As, as the last couple of shows here, we've talked a little bit about immigration judges, uh, some of the issues associated with them. For all those people who uh, uh, kind of knew, I get we talk more of a policy. Uh, Thing on this show about immigration versus you know procedural stuff, and uh, just just so everybody's kind of on the same page before I go into these this complaint process, immigrant um, 
immigration judges are adjudicators, for lack of a better word, uh, that are part of the Department of Justice. They are not what's called Article Three judges in terms um, – they're not appoint – they're not created by the Constitution. The Congress doesn't uh, doesn't vote on them like they do for circuit uh, appellate court judge, uh, circuit appellate court judges or federal district court judges. They're they're just um, they're administrative law judges, uh, and so they kind of I don't want to say they have kind of saying they have less power is kind of an apples to oranges comparison. It's not really it's not, it's not that they have less power; they just have a different type of power. But they're definitely not constitutionally mandated. They're just kind of administratively created. Under the uh, Immigration Nationality Act and former immigration laws of our country, Congress created them. But David, there's a there's a process in place through the Department of Justice to complain about these folks because immigration law. If you're if you're in removal proceedings and an immigration judge is presiding over your removal proceedings, um, I don't think it's too much to ask that they be fair, that they be courteous, that they be respectful, that they refrain from violating people's due process rights. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you, th- I mean, you think that's too much to ask? Of course not. <laughs> so the Department of Justice has put in place a complaint process for uh, for everyone to – anyone and everyone to use, um, whether you be uh, an attorney representing um, uh, someone who's in removal proceedings uh, to uh, – ICE attorney to court staff to third parties uh, who aren't associated with the proceedings. This complaint process is open to all of them. And so for a while, David, the uh, American Immigration Lawyers Association, the ACLU, they've been trying to get at this information uh, regarding the complaint process. You know, how many complaints are filed? What was the outcome? You know, based information that you think uh, that, that the government should share with us. I mean, it's, you know, in the interest of transparency, uh, you know, it, what about you know, freedom of information? <laughs> well, that's that that's eventually that's eventually how it was gotten, but I mean, they had to go to court to get that. But you know, you would think that it would just be forthcoming in this new age of transparency since that we've had since two thousand nine. I mean, the man came in a new open era of government. Everything's going to be transparent. So, if, if you can break into the vault where all my <laughs> secrets are kept, exactly, exactly. So, so the uh, the American Immigration Lawyers Association (ACLU) some, some other uh, you know outfits out there basically got a lawsuit going in, and they finally got the Department of Justice to release this last week. Okay, um, this is very preliminary in terms of the total number, everything, but it's highly redacted. Okay, uh, it, you don't know what judge it was. They're not put. Don't put your name. I mean. God forbid you actually put your name on something and own it, all right? So they, they won't give you the name of the judge. They won't give you the name of the city. Now, enterprising attorneys that we are, we can kind of read through these and we file complaints. And so each thing is assigned a code. So we've kind of pieced together some of who these judges are. But, you know, it, we're not stupid, okay? But that really doesn't even matter. Just put your name on it, folks. If, if you're going to make these decisions or act this way, put your name on it. All right, so I, I just ha- I just picked at random. There were over a thousand complaints, okay, that were uh, that this that came in this FOIA, okay. I think actually I think it was like nine hundred something. I, I don't know, but um, I picked at random a few of these complaints, and we're just, we're just going to read a couple of them here, and and I think people will be shocked to understand that I don't know. They should be shocked. They may not be shocked. I wasn't shocked uh, that really nothing comes out of these. So let, let's go. Let's go in our first one here. Okay, um, this the subject of the complaint. 
it, it's it's very pro, it's very brief here. I mean, I, I wish I could post as people could see it as, as I'm looking at. Um, so the the complaint is in court conduct. And this complaint was lodged by what's called the Board of Immigration Appeals. It's kind of the appeals court for immigration judges. When we don't like a decision an immigration judge makes, we appeal it to this body. This complaint comes from this body. So uh, th- essentially they're kind of their bosses are saying, hey, you, you, you screwed up. Uh, the assistant chief immigration judge heard rudeness and sarcasm on the digital audio recording of a hearing in February 2010. Would you think that if you had a and, – and side note to this, this complaint is referenced several times in subsequent complaints that resolved per complaint number 390, showing that it's this same judge. OK? So rudeness and sarcasm, you would – don't you think it's probably a good quality to have, you know, to be respectful, not be rude if you're a judge, kind of be in part – you know, that whole – detached air of um, dignity <laughs> that a lot of these cats like. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. You would think that something would probably be done. Maybe suspension. Let's take a little money. I mean that, that's what they do in the military, David. I mean you screw up, you're going to pay. All right? You're, you're going to stay. You're going to get restricted. In this case, a written counseling was issued. A written counseling. Oh my gosh. Oh my. And it's game over. Nothing else. Written counseling for essentially disrespecting people in your court. Are these DOJ appointees? The- yeah, they're DOJ appointees. They're not congressional – like they're, they're not uh, voted up or down okay. by congressional and, folks. And, it's and just all DOJ career employees. Obviously attorneys. Right. And the most immigration ju- – well, I'm not going to say most. A lot of the immigration judges come from the ranks of the ICE trial attorneys. So they, they're already predisposed to be on one side of the case because they've been prosecuting these cases for you know, 10, 15, 20 years and then okay. now they're – Impartially adjudicating them. <laughs> Where is do they have? And and you're going to wonder why I come up with this, but I I can show you many cases now, uh, which is a, a major major concern. Do these judges have an Achilles heel? No, I don't. I don't think so. So they can be pretty, they can pretty be much. like post office workers. Pretty that much. Are pretty uh, arrogant, as I uh, ran into. Absolutely, yesterday. yeah. I I think that you know. I think that these all these complaints bear this out. I mean, we can go on, we go to the next one. You'll see here. This is documented too. This is this is documented that the complaint nature on this one, okay, is bias and in court conduct. The complaint source again is the Board of Immigration Appeals. Judge was accused of engaging in an abusive tirade. Now they've got a complaint history with dates and like significant acts on the case. So the alleged conduct. Alleged conduct occurred in September of 2008. The complaint was finally referred to the assistant chief immigration judge October 6th of 2010, more than two years later. October 7th of 2010, they created a a database entry was created. And then on the 12th of October of 2010, the judge was orally counseled. But the oral counseling was followed up by an email. So they wouldn't have orally counseled this guy if there wasn't some conduct to, conduct to be orally counseled about. The conduct was engaging in an abusive tirade. Now, are these are these the judges that do the deportation? Yes. 
Well, so, you know, they're, they're biased to begin with. Biased maybe, to begin with, exactly. Maybe that's why Obama, this administration has had so many deportations. Well, it's, it's, it's that, but they're, they're just unaccountable. That, that, and that's the problem is that there's no, there's no, with, you know, with <laughs> district court appointed judges and, and circuit court appointed judges, the Supreme Court, there's some, <coughs> while political accountability may not be the best form of accountability for them, at least there's some sort of accountability. There is literally no accountability in this stuff. And they can do whatever it is they want. I mean, just, let's let's just go to the next one here. I'll, I'll kind of uh, uh, oh, this this is it here. Okay, Th- this is a this is a complaint that regarding the same judge that we talked about uh, the very first complaint who uh, on the digital recording of the uh, the hearing was rude and sarcastic. Okay, so this is uh, again the complaint source is the, the Board of Immigration Appeals. Okay, uh, the complaints are due process violation and, and uh, improper in court conduct by this certain immigration judge. So obviously, this case was on appeal before the Board of Immigration Appeals. They sent it back to a different immigration judge due to the first immigration judge's impatient and intemperate comments and procedural rigidity. In a case involving concerns regarding the respondent's mental stability, I don't know if this is crazy, but I think that if you have somebody who's in Im- removal proceedings who it's questionable their mental stability, I think it's even more important that the judge be mentally stable and refrain from acting crazy. So what did they do? They referred the complaint. Database entry was created, and the only action that was taken, complaint resolved per 390. So basically saying, hey, it's all taken care of. No big deal. It just, David, I you know, I, I know we're out of time here, but it just it just shows. I, I wanted to spend more time on this. Perhaps next week we'll t- we'll talk a little bit more in depth on them once we can research a little more. It just shows no accountability, and I think it's in, it's endemic in, in in our system right now that so many of these government officials just no accountability, and uh, you know we have the system we have. Uh, you know, thanks for listening to uh, uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, download the podcast if you missed the live show. Take it easy. Bye bye.